Jeff, the last thing he needs is a section of his car looking pristinely with new paint. Okay. <laughs> like a wash kit. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that is the last thing that car needs, right? That one section of paint. The, uh, I'd, have get, I'd have to get the whole thing clean. G'day, everyone. Welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. We've got a guest today, and we've had some pretty high-profile guests, but none of them have been on this show for the third time. Welcome, Jeff from Home Built by Jeff. How are you today, mate? Hey, you guys. How are you going? Good. good to see you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to be back. It's uh, after seeing Mark again. I saw you at uh, Rensport Reunion. We hung out for a couple of days and uh, got our minds completely blown by all of the uh, the, the cars there. And uh, yes. I've been uh, listening avidly while I've been tinkering the garage with my stupid project. So well, let's, <laughs> it's, good, we'll, it's good to come back on again. We've got, we've got you on to talk about some of those projects and what you got planned for the future. And um, also, being Porsche Talk, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for have a bit of a um, reality perspective of how you experience Rensport because I am still got my head spinning on my neck about what we went through, and obviously we need some professional advice on what's going on with Ajmal's car by someone who has probably had to cut that sort of stuff out of a car. Before. <laughs> <laughs> never out of, uh, never had that much rust on anything that new. Like in Australia, it takes fifty years to get that much rust. <laughs> well, all- fifty years is still not that much rust, <laughs> even on an Alpha. <laughs> It's, it's just the way it happened. I mean, I've been driving my car for five years, and I know somebody just lives up the road. You know, he's a fabricator, and he and he does this lanner guarding and injecting with wax. He does a like a package deal for people. And I thought, you know what, my car's twenty five years old now. I want to take it to him. And okay, I don't wash the outside, but you know, the underneath, get it protected. Took it to him, dropped it off. Half an hour later, he's on the phone going, going, dude, your car's fucked. <laughs> and it's what do you, you mean? I just drove it there. I just drove it there. <laughs> if if you can't even lift it up because it's because it's because it's just going to punch holes in the bottom of the car, it's probably not good. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily he's got a four poster, so you know he drove it on. Yeah, and what's happened is the four exposed bits of the car, which are the four jacking points. It just rust completely rusted. Nothing else. Yeah, it's exposed bits rusted, and that's it. Was by the sea before uh, for about seven or eight years, and so what's happened is on one of them. I does that make it better for you guys or worse? It's worse for us, but okay, (laughs) much worse. Yeah, and and when he's someone's jacked it up when I got the new tires at the back, and that jacking point's gone through the floor, but. When he's chopped away the metal, he said inside the sill, it's got no protection in there, but there's zero rust. Once you go just like two millimeters above the, yeah. the ground level, yeah. there's no other rust. It's clean. So he's been able to really cut it really finely, smallest section possible. He's fabricated all of the, save me about a thousand pounds. He's fabricated <laughs> the metal that's got to go back in. Um, and I should be having it back in probably about three or four days. Oh, fantastic. So, I, yeah, so you don't have to respray the bottom of the car or anything. It's all underneath where you can no. just hand paint it. Yeah. Yeah, yep. plastic spats, where they go on, it was directly under there. So he's ah, repaired that. Okay. 
painted that and they go over it perfectly yeah. over it. Jeff, the last thing he needs is a section of his car looking pristinely with new paint. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like a wash kit. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, that is the last thing that car needs, right? That's one section of paint. The, uh, have to get, I'd have to get the whole thing cleaned. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to say, <laughs> those, those photos you put up on um, Instagram, I'm looking at it going, has someone just got a rotten sandwich and pressed it into the bottom of a... Uh, a car, it was like, <laughs> it was, I can't even comprehend how bad it looked. Like, I'm telling you, if that's, if you, I think you're just naive to think that's all there is. There is, that's all there is. I've had a really good look and and ignorance is bliss because yeah. I've been driving around like that for years, not knowing. Um, and I think it's got to go through the annual check next month. So I had to get it done. Otherwise it would have just gone in the garage and I just knew it would have lived there for years and years and years. And my children would be digging it out and hating me along after I'm dead. <laughs> and uh, so as it is, it's fixed. I'm going to be broke forever, but it lives. Are you going to be brave enough to declare the cost of repair once completed? Uh, yes, because... Um, it, <laughs> so I'd never seen it without, obviously, the undertray is on. So when I saw it and... Uh, there's, there's some other peripheral consumables that needed attention. <laughs> so so uh, front and lower arms, done. Like you could see that they were done. They were just touching each other. And both rear shock absorbers, blown. Um, the air conditioning was leaking from a, an O-ring. Um, so all of that has to be done, but it's so much money. So I'll 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 put it, the money together and add it up. I will have to declare it, but I think I reckon I'm still up. I reckon I'm still I, up. I, I do too. I think you will be up. The compared to what they cost here, you're way up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Mark, I could send it to you now. Yeah, look, any any <clears throat> car from the UK that's ended up yeah. here arrives in the condition that your car is in currently anyway regardless of age it seems like i i actually i was I'm, the time was impeccable i had a close look to the underside of a what looked a very presentable 993 only about four or five days ago and i thought hmm, english car i'm going to lift the carpets i put them down real quick right? because i know that fred flintstone's a cartoon character and you can't actually run along with your feet looking down at the ground, right, to make your car go, and you could have done that in this car. So the rest of the car looked amazing, but the floor was just Swiss cheese. And See, mine's done now. <laughs> it's done. No, no, it's, done it to you. it's done for now. <laughs> These are two very different things. Anyway, the um, Jeff. Yes. Tell us about your journey in the U.S., following catching up or well, for those listening jeff and i did sort of point and laugh and be and have looks of wonder when we we're at um red sport reunion caught up with other a few other influencers who um were some great company and really for me it was amazing listening to different types of people who have different interests in their cars and the way they go about their cars 
like you being so hands-on, um, you look at different things to what I do. I look at, you know, stuff that's shiny. You look at stuff that's not. The You know, the the way that uh, something might be put together or how bad something's been done in the past as a crash repair or a race car, that type of thing. So it was fascinating for me to hear perspective. Tell me, how, how did you find the event and what happened after the event for you? T- give us a bit of an update. Yeah, well, um, I I actually went over a – when we had a – Big break when I had a month in the US, but uh, I went a week earlier than Mrs. Jeff because uh, she's less tolerant. She's tolerant of my my car thing, but she was definitely not interested in going to Rensport. So uh, I went over and met up with uh, Mike from uh, Wrench YouTube channel and uh, and did a couple of days working in his uh, garage on his project. He's got a um, the blasphemy build. He's got a, a sixty nine nine eleven X race car that he's put a um, Subaru. Uh, six cylinder. I can't remember the 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 <clears throat> the engine code, but yeah, Subaru six cylinder twin turbo into into this thing, and uh, yeah, so I was giving him a hand on that. But then, uh, yeah, I rented a Boxster and did the road trip up from LA up to uh, to Monterey, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was good to actually be able to drive myself and have a bit of bit of fun, even though it was only a base Boxster with the horrible. The first time I've used the um, um, the horrible Tiptronic. Forward backwards paddles on both sides. I don't know if you've ever ah, ever used them. I've never used them. Well, well I think a lot of Cayens uh, and and even all all of the early like sort of nine nine seven nine elevens and things like that. Instead of having uh, paddles on either side of um, the steering wheel at the back, where you just you, you know uh, right is up and left is down. Yeah. On either side, you've got like this button, and if you press on both sides, if you press the button forward, I think it's forward, it goes down gears, and if you push it backwards, it goes up gears. But it's the same on both sides. So, 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 both sides, if you press them forward, they go down, and pull them back, they go up, or vice versa. I can't remember exactly, but it's just it's it's absolutely horrible, particularly when you're used to using paddles. I use this the drive the sim rig all the time, so I'm used to driving with the paddles, and also I've got Macam with the, the the paddles. But these ones are just horrible. The PDK is still there, but the paddles make it terrible. But yeah, getting to to Rensport itself. Sorry. I was say, where does where does someone go and rent a Boxster from? How old Turo. is it? Turo. It was a. I had one that was um, only a couple years old. It was the uh, was a seven eighteen that I had re- rented, but uh, um, he uh, backed out of that rental. But it's it's all it's all through through like an app. So these are private people's cars, and um, yeah, the one I I rented, he was a young guy who. Basically, Turo paid for his car, so he's got like this extra car that he can just sort of enjoys having this Boxster, and um, he rents it out of you know a couple that's of days a, a month, and that pays for it. That's a Tiptronic, not a PDK. No, no, it's PDK with no, those rocker things on it. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. This this was this was a nine eighteen Boxster. Maybe a seven eighteen or a nine eight one. Sorry, a nine, nine, sorry, nine eight one. Sorry, not not nine, nine eighteen. is not a boxster. No, <laughs> a nine eight one. Sorry, nine eight one boxster. No, it was like a twenty fifteen boxster. Okay, but even even some of the nine nine sevens had those same horrible little PD, paddles. PDK nine nine sevens had those yeah. funny rocker things. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and they're, and they're awful. <laughs> they're, they're they're horrendous. So I'd, I'd seen them in photos. 
and gone, why don't they have the proper paddles on the back? But I'd never actually used them. And when they use them, they're, they're horrendous. I reckon that must have kicked in around 2016 or something or 2017 when they had the facelift of the... Um, I think I think they were an option for a long time. I think it uh, might have been an option steering wheel. I don't know enough about the newer cars yeah, to be okay. fair. Sure, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Mike had a Panamera. He know that he, he had the same thing on that. But it was yeah, it was it was definitely a, a PDK gearbox. Like it changed quickly. It was just horrible paddles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. Rensport was absolutely mind boggling like um like uh, you and i were saying and, and mike particularly was saying that it that it's it's not the cars that you're seeing that uh, blows your mind it's the cars that you're ignoring to go and look at the next thing that you would normally be absolutely going mental over and you're not even looking at it like it's crazy yeah i know there was there's one moment there where we walk along and jeff just Grabbed me by the hand and said, Stop, look at this, will you? And we're just casually rolling, walking past a singer. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, Oh, it's just a, a you know, a nice 911. What's next? You know what I mean? Type thing. But, yeah. you know, you see a singer in the street, it just, like you said, it just blows the top off your head, doesn't it? They are really beautifully built. Everything about them is, is fantastic. I was just really, I was, I was so looking forward to seeing a Singer DLS and uh, some Gunther Works. None of them at the at the show. There was no Singer stand at all at Rentsport. There was no Gunther Works stand. There was, you know, there was there, there was a couple of privately owned Singers. That was, I think, I think I did see two. There was but that was it. I, I got four on video. Four different. Oh, did ones. you? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I was. I've thought about that since the event, uh, Jeff, and I, I wonder if it's because it's a Porsche show. Like the show is run and won by Porsche North America. I wonder if it's you – now, I know, don't get me wrong, I know, you know, Singer's Motors are, are now made by Porsche Motorsports. Yeah, North exactly. America, right? But I wonder if it's something where, oh, look, we're just going to be another um, Porsche product in already – an ocean of Porsche products. So should we spend the money? And we've we've already this year we've already done um car week up there. We've already done uh been over to Goodwood. We've come back. Maybe it's just a case of we've done the promo we need and really, you know, how many people, more people do we need to put these cars in front of when you can't buy them anyway? For the, you know, 14 people in the world right now that can afford them. Yeah, but it's for you and I to drool over them and have yeah. a look at the details. Yeah, I was looking at it from a business case, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't don't bring logic into this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see, my mind, they, they're killing the nine six fours. That's what they're doing, and I want one. We'll buy one. Uh, yeah, but the price gone gone through the roof. Singer Sing is not killing that many of the 964s. Like, on, personally, it's all of the uh, other Singer yep. pretenders who are now killing all the 964s yep. that, that really start hurting it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the, because it's the basis for so many backdates and it, everything fits so easily onto it that so many people are mimicking it and are doing their own rest of mod and, and backdate and whatever it might be. And, because for a long time there were so many good ones that it was being done to, whereas now I think people are, obviously people have realised the value, the value of a nine six four, a standard nine six four. People have stopped doing it, but still, you know, there's so many that have been butchered. 
Well, like Singer, I know Singer won't accept like a shitbox 964. It's got to be a good condition. They'll reject the car if it's not good enough. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so so they still only only work on the on the the reasonable ones uh, from what I understand. Well, I look, I, I heard through the grapevine that Gunther works are very similar to what you've just said, and the, it was almost a deal breaker for Mister J Dub Dub to supply his nine nine three to be Gunther works up because it was a UK car. They weren't going to take any UK cars because of the problem you've just had, Ajmal. With the amount of body um, steel work that needs to be done over and above to get the car to be what it is, the the, um, the right hand drive Singer nine six fours and nine nine threes for Gunther Works apparently are Middle Eastern cars and Australian cars. They won't take UK cars because wow. of the uh, that what's going on underneath it is just too much work in preparation. That's the uh, discussion I overheard from a distance um, from people who were uh, those types of customers, unlike the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do have to admit that uh, like Harry, my 911 was inspired by um, the, the singers where at the time I sort of saw them, they'd only, they were only new and I thought that was, they were amazing. And I thought, well, I'm going to build my own, inverted commas version of them ver- version of it and uh that's sort of harry my my 911 which you know it's not a singer it's not it's not really trying to be a singer it's more it's a not it's more a, a 73 rsr inspired thing that's actually done as a resto mod so it's got the aircon and you know it's sort of a little bit more comfortable is the aircon working more- yet have you got have you gassed it and is it is pumping cold yeah. yet? last well, time, it, it, last it, time it, we spoke not- you hadn't connected it up it was just <clears throat> Installed. No, uh, no, it's always, it's always it was working from the start, but then it did. I did have to get it regassed at one stage. the The issue that um, I have, and I think uh, Johnny at Classic Retrofit has has uh, upgraded it since, is the blower is not super strong. Ah, so it's not like a modern air. It still blows cold, and and it and it and it works. The, the it works great, but. Uh, a couple of things that really hurt my car is no window tint, which I'm going to rectify with the same stuff that I put on the um, Alferrari, which is which is a, basically a clear window tint. That That's just a UV, UV. protecting, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's still it classes seventy percent window tint, but if you look at it, it just looks like any modern car's regular glass. It looks because I don't want dark tinted windows on the car, but I don't want to get baked. And every time I'm driving um, the nine eleven particularly on a long road trip, I am continually getting fried because you're so close to the glass and there's zero protection in the glass. Mm-hmm. And I'm always trying to hide my arm down the side of the car somewhere in the shade so it's not getting burnt. So I'm going to be tinting that. And also I'm going to put a um, uh, a strip across the top of the windscreen, like, a, like a, a, a banner. I found when I actually did the Adelaide rally a year or so ago, um, the the banner i realized how much better it was because i sit so close to the windscreen in that car it's you're just getting blasted so so it'll 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 make a big difference to the the comfortable 
nature of of that car and i'm also going to put uh, yeah better blowers into the uh, i've been looking at um, duct blowers so oh, it's yeah, like okay. a little little sort of 50 mil round blowers yeah. that i can put into inline in, type stuff yeah in line and 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 just sort of assist the um the the unit and and then it'll be great now more importantly than the comfort in this situation mm-hmm. what are you <clears> going to put on the banner I'm just going to have a black. Yeah, for Mrs. Jeff, obviously. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to put a, I'm just going to have a black strip. I've got a there's a mate over here um Tim Vo who uh who's got a got a very cool uh 911 that comes to our annual event um from Queensland he goes down to Albury on the sort of Victorian border every year and uh, and he's got that across the top of his screen i thought that's perfect just a black strip it hides it sort of disappears you don't really even notice it until you sort of have a second glance and uh, that will so just, car. yeah oh i've still got i've still got my name on the side of the car from from the adelaide rally oh, name yeah, okay. and there's mm-hmm. a flat in my brother's name so <laughs> yeah yeah good one good one the um so following that i saw a um a video that you did with vin wiki on yes youtube so you obviously yeah, headed over east to um atlanta yes yeah so uh after Rensport, i um, caught up with mrs jeff in la and we flew over to nashville and then we rented a car in nashville and then we went from did nashville went across to uh atlanta then charleston savannah and sort of worked our way down the coast down to um miami and then flew flew back to la and then back home yeah fantastic so, uh, yeah, so catching up with Ed, I uh, one of <clears throat> um, yeah one of one of my viewers saw me at uh, at Rensport, and he's like, you should you should talk to Ed, and and uh, and he sort of reached out and set me up with with Ed, and um, I, was, I was actually standing with you when that guy approached you. Yes, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, I managed to go over and uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Gave a, a a couple of stories to Ed whether whether he uh, uses them all or not, uh, but uh, he's used the uh, the first one and of the Ferrari and how, it seems to go well. How good's his garage in real life? It's 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 very good. The uh, the 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 spiker. I don't know that much about spikers. Oh, I can't wait to see one. I'm busting <clears> to see a spiker. But the amount of billet custom like details and things on it, it's it was yeah, it was it was very nice. I mean, obviously he's got he's got three Lamborghini uh, Murcielago manuals and Ferraris and stuff. But the Spiker was sort of right in the doorway, and I mean, his garage is exactly what it looks like on on. Yeah, okay, uh, so it, it, is, it is that it is that good in real life. It isn't just. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 beautiful. All the, all the cars just just. Showroom. Wedged in there, but yeah, it's it's it, that that's that's a garage goals. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Not quite set up for the type of work you're doing at the moment. I want to have. I mean, my dream is to have a garage like that, and then have the workshop shed that is the the you know. I, I build saw, the dreams I in one, it. and I keep the pretty finished ones in another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fair cop, fair cop. Um, I'd have to say in our recent trip to the US, Jeff, Nashville was probably my highlight for how much of a great time we had and the people and all that sort of thing. How did you find your time in Nashville? Uh, a, a lot of these places in the US I found. Nashville, like I, I, the, the strip was was good. We got there in the day and we went for a walk around. We were staying uh, a few blocks away from downtown and – the strip 
itself is not too bad. And as soon as you get like a block outside it, it gets pretty rough pretty quick. Like yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of homeless and a lot of closed down shops and that's, yeah, the, U- that's be- the US everywhere way I found when I was over there. Yeah. That exact description would be, yeah. you know, have the pretty stuff for the tourists. And after that, it's uh, pretty grim, you know. Charleston was pretty, pretty good most of the way around. It seemed like it like a really nice you know, uh, livable area and, and a bigger area. But, yeah, Savannah, like, yeah, a few blocks outside of the historic area was very rough and um, we went to St Augustine below. That was even worse. We actually, um, on our way down, we decided to do the Kennedy Space Centre. Oh, yeah. And um, that was that was fantastic. Well, you know, worth, worth doing. And we thought, look, we haven't booked accommodation for tonight. We just book a basic hotel. We're not. Fussy, just 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 somewhere clean with a bed, and we're and we're good. And uh, we pulled into this place that we'd booked. We walked, we we walked in, and it was it was disgusting. The whole place just smelt like pot all down the hallways, and just just it was it was just basically the whole place was a drug den. There was just we drove past, and 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 there's a bunch of dodgy guys. They all just sort of stop and look at us, going, "Who's who's driving around now?" Like it, it was it was. We walked in and we walked out, and we're like, no, nah, we're not." Good decision. <laughs> we're we're not fussy, but come on, <laughs> it was not it was not worth it. Now, um. Jeff, very recently, following a conversation, Ajmal and I, you actually reached out to offer some uh, suggestions and even dis- discussion points on the box turd project from your experience on the Rockstar that I suggested I'd like to uh, consider. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the box. Yes. I'm sorry, the Rockstar, actually. We haven't <clears throat> I haven't seen much of it on social media lately other than you trying to, you know, slide yeah. down your gravel driveway and your Alvarado <laughs> into it. Other than that, I yeah. haven't really seen it that much. Well, it, it it was it was beating me up for a long time. Basically, um, for those who haven't uh, seen it, it's it was the ugliest portion of Australia or potentially the world. It was it was it was up there with with horrible things, including um, a diffuser made out of door stops wood screwed onto the rear bumper, and um, the 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 worst thing that they did, which was not uh, initially obvious from because it was hidden by all the other horrible things on the car was uh, that they decided to put driving lights in the front of the car and they molded them in to these big openings. There's two big openings at the front of the car and they're like, oh, that's a perfect spot for driving lights and completely molded in and blocked the radiators a hundred percent. So I opened them up. um, But I think the damage was already done. And on the first track day, the, uh, the engine uh, threw a rod and, uh, Considering how much I've seen those boxes get thrashed, those even those base boxes, those engines can last a really, really long time and a lot of abuse. And yeah, <clears throat> but my plan always was that with that was to build a cheap track car. And you were talking about uh, doing an LS swap, and I, the reason why I didn't go LS was because I found out early on that. The gearbox in a Boxster is a is is a front wheel drive gearbox in the same orientation, just moved to the back of the car um, in in a Boxster. So so the Audi V8 just bolts straight up, and or a lot of the Audi Audi engines. So so a lot of guys also do um, the Turbo Six that they they bolt up to it. <clears throat> so, but that's the only thing that bolts up. 
Everything, <laughs> everything else is a lot of work. I was going to bring that up. That, like, the bolting up bit, that sounds like the easy bit uh, yeah. compared to everything else that's got to happen. Yes. Everything else was uh, – look, uh, the, the thing that really got me was the cooling system because I didn't – I didn't understand it that well to start with, and because of the way the Boxster's overflow tank works, it's not – in a front-engine car, everything's there, the engine's there, the, the overflow tank's there, the, the radiator, everything you can, is there in front of you, you can see it. The issue with the Boxster is because the overflow tank is at the back of the car, but then the coolant has to go down all the way underneath um, the, the centre of the car and the radiators are at the front. So it's – it's it's working out how this all works and how everything bleeds properly and and the um I said the the overflow tank which is which is in in the boot next to where you fill up the oil that's actually where the overflow tank is and there's like there's five or six lines coming out of it instead of like two that might end up being on a, on a normal car so it's like where what are all these lines doing what what's going on and it's hard to find a lot of detail about what everything does they'll show you how to connect them back up to a boxster and disconnect it and you know if the if you've but not how to connect it to another car, another engine so that's where i uh i struggled for a long time with overheating and i finally worked out that i'd actually blocked off one of the 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 topmost um coolant vent ports on the engine so basically i had a big airlock in the top of the engine that was never going to come out even with a vacuum bleeder uh and uh once i connected that up and uh yeah and then it, now it doesn't overheat and it actually works the way it's supposed to but then i've just sort of left it because i haven't had i've been thrashing on the on the alferrari to get it done so i i am going to get back to the to the rockstar it's well, it's it's on the cards i do want to come back to the alferrari but before we do all these challenges you've had, whether it's the coolant or making the cradle for the engine and where the engine's got to sit, and then you I see you had some challenges with the shift cables were. Yeah, and, and they're the, still not perfect. Yeah, because of the distance, it, you know, the gearbox moves back slightly and things like that. The reason, yeah. I, the reason I was, the LS part of it was um, appealed to me is that all that stuff's been done by someone else you know like the the kits already thought all that stuff out all the like the engine bolt up bit which i can yeah. definitely see the appeal and i'll be straight over i've owned an rs rs rs4 and i like yeah. that i like the audi v8 i think it's a great sanding motor and it's got that exotic it feels european muscle not american yeah. muscle so I, yeah. I get the attraction of that of that product plus there's some really flogged A8s out there that I reckon you could nick for next to nothing that the motor is still pretty good at because something like if the power window stopped working on an A8, all of a sudden that costs more to repair than the value of the car. Yeah. Right, so I can see why you've gone down that path. Did you, did it come out of an A8 or an A6 or something? Uh, it, was, it was an A6 with a, yeah, with okay. a, and, a, and the seat was sort of stuck at a weird angle and like, yeah, but it was still running and driving and um, it had about 230,000 kilometres on or something. I think it's not not exactly low low Ks, but um, uh, yeah, it, that, that engine has evolved a lot because I used to have an Audi S5 and I loved it. Like it was it – was, same thing. I, I thought the engine was was fantastic. Um, you want an early engine um, because the you, you, the later ones have the timing change. So the S fives and uh, and a lot of those have uh, catastrophic failures with the timing chains. Oh, they, okay. they 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 uh, if if you do any research on the um, 
is it the B5? Oh, I can't even be, oh, I don't know. I can't remember what, what, what model the S5, but I had like the S, S5 manual 2015 or something, I think it was. And is that where it's got the chain on the, at the back of the engine? Yes. Looking at it. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's an absolute it. nightmare. Even if you've got the engine, it's, A, you've got to pull the engine completely out because, yes, the chain is against the firewall. Um, so there's no way to fix it in the car. Even if you've got it out, if you have a look at the diagram, look at the the cover off. It's not one chain; it's like three or four chains, and like like you know, like twenty bloody <laughs> tensioners, and it, it's it's a nightmare. And it's, so even just to buy the parts to repair it is is astronomical. Um, whereas mine is a timing belt, which is uh, much much simpler. So the the earlier engines, and I have heard of guys who've who've um, whacked turbos on them without doing any inter- internals and just made big power and, and uh, yeah, they're, they're actually, uh, um, by the sounds of things, a reasonably stout engine. And until until they're not. Well, that's it, until they're not. But, again, they're not expensive. Yeah, they're yeah. Cheaper than, much cheaper than an LS. And I suppose the reason I didn't want to go with a kit is because I wasn't going to, Spend money on it. All I had to do was buy the engine. And I can make everything else. So, yeah, that, so well, that's that, right. That's, you, have a, you have a different skill set to the um, to myself, yes. obviously. You know, so <laughs> I can, and let's face it, it's your your whole YouTube channel would be pretty boring if you just bolted something together. Yeah, I just buy 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 a kit. No, I just bolt on the next thing. It's yeah. not. It's not He's, exactly. It's my you may as well do a channel on IKEA. So there yeah, we go. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. sometimes, the, sometimes on, I'm the, jealous of it. <laughs> well, Sorry, on, the, on the boxster i was just gonna say on the boxster i mean what kind of research did you do when you went right i'm gonna put a v8 in this car and obviously it's a finite bit of space you can't really chop it up or anything you know like with a front engine car did you did someone tell you that it's gonna fit with the gearbox and and you know with the with the cooling obviously you didn't know that there were going to be problems with all the the linkages and then you've got uh, the the brain, how's it going to talk to so all the the electronics? You know what what made you go down that route and thinking this is going to work? Oh, there there are quite a few people who've already done it, so I knew it, it fits. I originally was going to use the factory ECU, and um, I was following sort of some guides on online on how to. Uh, um, to to flash the ECU yourself because it's got a inbuilt immobilizer which you've got to get rid of, um, yeah. but. I ended up frying a laptop of mine trying to do it, and I threw threw my toys out of the pram, and I just got an aftermarket ECU, and I just uh, I'm I know aftermarket ECU, so so I actually left every wire connected to the engine and just cut the loom, so you had that sort of big lump of fifty wires, and then I just yep. used I just made a got a bulkhead connector and connected a aftermarket ECU straight to that. So so that was an easy way to, A, get the engine in and out of the car to disconnect quickly, but also easy way to sort of splice together. I just had the wiring diagram from the uh, Audi engine and the other one. one. And those things seem really, really daunting, and I know people get really scared of wiring, yeah. but it's really, it's really not that hard. If you can wire up a car stereo, you can probably wire up a car ECU. It's, it's, it, you've got to break everything down. But you know, you see fifty wires, you go, oh no! But but there's on this, there's eight coil packs with two or three wires per, uh, or three three wires per coil pack, and there's two wires per injector. So there's already a whole bunch of your wires gone. As long as you know what the different sensors are that are needed to run a car, and you just make sure you go through and connect them up, it's it's actually not 
it's, it's not as as hideous as you think. In a lot of the um, east, a lot of the aftermarket um, engine management systems, my understanding anyway, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, is even if you balls up a connection somewhere, you can reprogram what the input to the sensor is uh, to the engine management system anyway. Say so, no, this is now this in you know pin eighty six is now an an injector or in, instead of a knock sensor or something like that. I've seen that's the case on some <clears throat> systems. Is that the case on the system you use? Some potentially, but m- most of them are reasonably allocated. But it's it's so you you have you have a, a list of what every color wire coming from the aftermarket ECU is. And as long as you can work out what the corresponding one is, you just go one at a time. You just go go through and uh, and a lot of a lot of sensors basically you know when I say you've got three wires going to a coil pack one is power, one is ground, and so yeah, the yeah. other one's signal. Like it's, it's they're not it's not it's not really complicated. Most things have one actual active wire and the other ones are just power and ground. That's what most things so it's not it's it's not rocket science. It takes it takes a lot of time and uh, you know it, it can be a little bit tedious just sitting there for for hours just just but once you actually sort of get the hang of it, it actually is not it's not as daunting as it first appears. Yep. yep. But what about what about stuff like um, you know when you put the drive shafts in and things like that? You know they're going to be at different angles, and then I mean, are they weighted? Is there something you get vibration? What does it all just come together? Does it just you plug and play kind of thing almost from that point of view? With that, I had to lower the gearbox down slightly, I think, from memory. Um, but again, there's. There's guys. There's a. Um, there's an English guy who did. Uh, he's got a, a 987 Cayman, who who's who's did a YouTube channel on it. Um, Jace Jace Wilkes, I think his name is. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I, I watched his like sort of series he did on on putting the same engine into his car, um, and. Um, there's there's differences in the gearboxes. I know, like if you get a nine eight six, so the early box that like I have, the base bolts straight up, but the um, the S, I think you've got to drill out one hole or something like that. There's like one hole difference on the on the gearbox, but nine eight seven, the S and the base both bolt up to the Audi gearbox. It's just that the nine eight six S, I think, from memory, like. Uh, Doing a bit of research, there's guys who've done it. There's forums. There's 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 a fair bit of information out there. So I knew it would work, and I just sort of pieced it together. I knew I could build the subframe and those sort of things because that's sort of the the stuff that I like doing. The fabrication side of it, the mechanic side of it's less of my favourite thing. So, <laughs> so you wouldn't rebuild. You wouldn't build an engine. Well, I did my 911 engine and I did a, uh, my Datsun engine and after doing Harry's engine on a 911, I don't want to do it again. The the Datsun was a dream. <laughs> it's so simple, straight six, really easy. The the uh, the 911 engine is just is so much more complicated and maybe because of the cost is so hideously expensive. Um, I, I would, uh, yeah, I, I just, it's just so stressful <laughs> worrying about making one little mistake. And then that first startup and you're like, ah, oh. at least with the alpha uh, at the moment, like I, I get really stressed about starting it up. But the fact is, is that the engine was a good running engine with only 27,000 kilometers on it. So it's like, it's, 
as long as I've got oil in it, it, it should be right. Oil in it, not overheating. It, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm I haven't I haven't touched anything besides doing the timing belt and stuff inside. That it uh, yeah. But surely it's a Ferrari. If the wind's blowing in the wrong direction. That's it. It's gone. Well, actually, the the I mean Ferraris. The bodywork and the the under the skin of Ferraris is generally pretty horrendous. It looks like it's sort of you know they look like they've been welded by blind men with a potato, but um, the the um, the the engines is really what they're all about. I mean that's what the F one thing is. That's what they've always been. Is, is about the engine really, and the car is just beautiful body uh, designed by another company uh, that's that's draped over the top of these uh, the, uh, definitely beautiful cars. But, uh, yeah, the, the things that break are generally less about the engine itself and other peripheral things. So on the 360, it's the, the ECUs are shit and there's, you know, other gearbox issues and stuff like that. But that's not – I don't have any of that part on my car, so – there's, there is a famous Enzo Ferrari saying that I've seen at a Ferrari dealership painted on a wall that says, um, at Ferrari we build amazing engines and you get the body for free. That's that's you know, so. and, and that's about the effort they put into them. Yeah. I, I, back in back in I think it might have been 355 era when I think back on it. Um and early 360, when I was working doing all the gauge work and that, we would see most of the cars that came into Australia to have the cruise control fitted aftermarket. If you optioned it at the factory, you got fitted by our workshop, right? Okay. And the um, the I was astounded because it's such a um, – when you're a kid growing up and stuff like that as a car enthusiast, it's such a halo product of, you know, mm. aspiration and perfection. And then me seeing the actual quality, not just the body work but paint – and um, like you know, cars are turning up with overspray on windscreens, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like this. And I'm and like it was just a debacle. These cars, and I, I, it really disillusioned me to the brand, you know, until you drive it. Yeah, I, I still, I, I still, I still love the um, uh, the Ferrari, the the early Ferrari. I love a three fifty five. I think three fifty five is just just such a beautiful car. They sound amazing. They they they're great. Um, if they only went uh, as quickly as they looked, that that would be such a great sports car. Yeah. That's- <laughs> Well, it's going to be interesting to see how much power the uh, my engine makes because I know Ferrari claim they, they like to put big claims, but then they don't necessarily back it up. Like uh, I think apparently it's a four hundred horsepower engine, but uh, by looking on the forums and and things, the most anyone's dynoed one at the wheels is about three hundred and fifteen ish, something like that horsepower at the wheels. Sure. So, um, yeah, we'll, so three hundred we'll would be a win, won't it? Oh yeah, well that's it. Like uh, I'm look having it running and driving is a win. <laughs> 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 that, that's that's honestly, um, uh, we'll see see what we can uh, what what will happen when I actually get to uh, to to getting it on the dyno and tuning it. How how you say it's running and driving, and you know yes. those of the listeners that have um, follow you would have seen that you've uh, backed it up and down your driveway and slid all over the place, right? Tell me. Yes. Um, have you actually got it out of the yard and onto bitumen to run through any gears yet besides first mm-hmm. and reverse? No. I only drove last week. Um, 
was for the first time. That was that was that video last week. Uh, this week I've gone through and I've fixed up my wonky exhaust and I've raised the car up and put you know, the proper suspension back in it again because I had I, I, di- I didn't have the right springs for the um, yeah. the event I w- went to, so I just cut the springs at the front and. Um, uh, to to get it to the get it to the event, um, so now I've swapped in the correct springs and got the ride height correct and um, fixing the clearance for the uh, engine for the bonnet window is what I've been doing yesterday. So there's 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 a few things that are coming out this this week, but I have as such I haven't actually been able to uh, to drive it. But it's tail shaft, uh, you know, the bell you got underneath your. Ca- Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. Cowbell. Yeah. Yeah. Cowbell? Yeah. So the the, uh, the tail shaft was sort of yeah too tight in the um in the back of the gearbox. It's actually not there, there's there's lots of movement in the tail shaft because it's got a, a CV joint in the center. So people are like, oh, that's too far in because it's going to uh, um there, there's not going to be any movement when the diff goes up and down. But there 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 is movement in this in the CV joint in the center of the tail shaft. Sure. But uh, yeah, it was just sort of touching. So I've clearanced that and got you know cut half of the year the just it's just a dust cover on the back of the um the gearbox that i trimmed off but you just you, you did say about the a gearbox i heard you talking about the gearbox and and you just bought it off what gumtree or something yeah yeah it's, what what what, is, what what kind of gearbox is it it's a it's a subaru brz gearbox like gt86 Toyota GT86, same, same, same thing. I I went through lots of different uh, possibilities for the gearbox, and um, the 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 big reason for that, well, a I needed a gearbox where the starter motor mounted to the gearbox side, not the engine side, because that's how it is on the Ferrari. There's nowhere to build to to mount it, and um, and also. I couldn't have something that was gigantic because even even that is so much bigger than the factory one. I've barely got enough room for my feet as it is building the tunnel with that smaller gearbox. And it's it's nearish the limit of power and torque that um uh for that gearbox, but um Subaru guys, there's there's plenty of guys who've been drifting them and stuff with that gearbox with a turbo BRZ engine making the same power, and they make torque at much lower revs than what the Ferrari does. It's it's the torque and the torque hit that that will break the gearbox, and the Ferrari is not a torquey engine; it's just a really revy engine. It revs to eighty seven hundred so for a V eight, which is which is a lot. So, um, but it doesn't make the torque until way up the top. So I'm not that worried that the gearbox is going to die. But if it does, A, it's cheap, they're everywhere, and you can get gear sets if, I, if it comes to that. So, um, yeah. And how, 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 how do you feel off the shelf? I'm, like knowing you as I do, I mm. can imagine you've done a lot of research on the gear sets that come with the BRZ versus what your motor churn is going to be like and where the torque sits. So. You, you mentioned that you can get gear sets. You think there's going to be something that's needed, or do you feel that what you've got in the box is going to make the car actually usable and drivable? As far as uh, gear ratios go, I sort yeah. of did the calculations when I built it, and actually with the factory diff and with that gearbox, um, it, it should it should work well. It seems to be fine. Yeah. I mean, in in first in in the lowest gears, and I think the theoretical top speed at Red line in sixth gear is 310 k's an hour or something. Uh, is is that all? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, of course, I'm going to be trying that straight for first thing. No, uh, uh, just never. Uh, <laughs> Ashmael, that's like 190. 
195. That's a lot. The thing is, but when it's a car that old, and I know you've done absolutely everything to it, so it might as well be a brand new car, right? And I just, I don't know, I'd always be really weary of going super fast in it. I'm never going to be getting anywhere near that speed in that car. No chance in hell. Even on (laughs) on on a drag drag strip. I probably will take it to the drag strip, but... But uh, but it won't get to that speed on the drag strip. But it won't get to that. That, 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 It probably might get to 200, maybe. I don't even get to that on a a drag strip. Yeah, like... Believe it on this... Even on the tracks that you got, you would frequent over there on your side of the country there, unless you had like yeah. a, a closed day at Bathurst or something, you'd probably struggle to get much over 200, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, 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 exactly. I Sydney Motorsport Park is is probably only one where you, you, you'd hit, and, and it'd probably still only be high 100s that I would imagine that that would hit. Which is ample um, on, a, on a car with, you know, that's a road car being modified yeah. to be mildly tracked, you know what I mean? I, I'm 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 not planning on tr- testing out the high speed limits of this car. It was more, as I said, just just the theoretical speed and the cruising uh, RPM and things like that. I, I think it's going to be cru- it's good. Like with a car that redlines at eight and a half, eight eighty seven hundred. Um, I think at one hundred and ten, hundred and twenty, it's going to be at sort of thirty four hundred RPM or something like that. Like so, probably similar to what my nine eleven is now. So um, the uh, so road trips with noise cancelling headphones in. We'll 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 see, but like um, hopefully it's not going to be hideously loud. There is a fair bit of vibration that comes through the car because it does have super stiff uh, engine mounts, but uh, that's just I knew that was going to be the case. There's there's just there's no space to have the engine rocking around in the car and well, take yeah, exactly. everything out. It I is. It is exactly, super I remember you doing. I remember you creating all the space around it and you know doing the, the fine adjustments to get it in the right place. And all I could think was, hang on, if that engine vibrates even a bit, is it going to be knocking against the firewall or knocking against the, you know, one of the the sides? It's there's 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 ten mil all around. In fact, I've just managed to get I think about five mil clearance between the plenum and the rocker cover. So so the sorry the, sorry the, the plenum at the top and the bonnet. So so um, yeah, that's that's about all the clearance we're going to get. Well, so it, uh, it is a flat plane V eight motor, yes. right? Yeah. So yeah. they don't do the whole try and twist the chassis when you accelerate like a standard um, crank V eight does. So it's not like it's yeah, rum, rum, you know, like when yeah. they. Uh, well, I mean that, that's that's torque really that's going to do that. So yeah, so yeah. You, you know again. Uh, it's not a huge amount of torque, and it's, and and the uh, so the, the gearbox mounts are polyurethane leaf spring bushings. So so that that's that's the that's the amount of you know you, firmness did, they've got. Did you go to a trailer builder to find your bushings? No, I went to super cheap. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um, uh, Al from the Skid Factory uh, YouTube channel. He um, he has a particular. He he's found the particular type of bushings, which I think might be a Mitsubishi Triton or something like that uh, bushing that's just the right size to um, pipe you can buy off the shelf, like like so, so just steel pipes, so they fit perfectly, yeah, yeah. And so you can Perfect. easily cut up and make mm-hmm. your own um, gearbox mounts. So, Fantastic. Yes. The, um, have you been following, have, have either of you guys been following any of the uh, SEMA car show builds that have been popping up on social media in the last uh, 
week or so following the event. Has anything there caught either of your eye? I've tried to have a look, but I have saw nothing's um, really jumped out. I saw a, a couple of them, not not really closely followed, but I saw Matt Armstrong do his RS6, which then he <laughs> looks like a Hot Wheels car. A rock. Yeah, he, he he built the RS6 and he he popped a rod. He blew a rod or something, didn't he? Oh, that bit uh, I don't he know got about. There. Oh, I should have said spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> he, got, he got there, and I think on the first or second day, he ended up at a drag strip we'll and seized the engine. Oh. Um, and then there was the one where, was it Richard Rawlins of Gas Monkey? They built a Testarossa but turned it into an electric car. Yeah, that was uh, pretty unique. Oh, isn't yes, that? that's right. Single three-seater. Yeah. 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 Look, look, and I, I just, uh... why would you do that? <laughs> Actually, do you guys know that uh, Ferrari did that well before McLaren F1 did? Yeah, so I've seen that. They had prototype. the 1970s uh, Ferrari Triposti, which actually had the the Ford centre seat and then two slightly back seats on either side. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was it wasn't McLaren F1. It was well like 20 years earlier. As it was Ferrari. Did it. It was styled equally as poorly that car as yes. this was at SEMA. You know, yes. we're, we're, let's just make the cabin wider to fit everyone in rather than the, uh, I guess, much more stylish effort that was put in by um, by uh, McLaren when they did theirs. Yeah. Oh, well, the, the the original Ferrari had the, the forward and back, yeah, but, but it's, the, it's the Testarossa was just like a bench. Right. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> the Testarossa was a bench seat and the guy in the middle drives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did think, um, you know, when when um, the Ferraris from back in the day, you know, they, it's almost like, you know, they just, whatever they found, they fitted in it, right? Um, and uh, and I, I, I sold my 1968 MGB. And I'd forgotten when I sold it that when I was building it, um, there's a the the bracket that held the accelerator pedal on. I didn't have one, and I didn't I, I couldn't be I couldn't wait because it was the last thing I was going to put on and then try and fire it up. So I went and found a, a, a carpet fitting edging divider, one of the aluminium strip that you screw to the floor. <laughs> yeah. It's a carpet edger, and I just bent it into a C shape, put a bolt through it, and I fitted that. And for uh, 22 years, I drove the car with that on because I completely forgot that I'd done that. If it worked. <laughs> I didn't know that because because I was going through the shed and I actually found the correct bracket because obviously I must have got it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> to do later that you never did again. Yeah. But yeah. Think, of the, think of the weight savings you put in that car by doing that, that aluminium yeah. strip. It was aluminium. Yeah, yeah, aluminium, yeah. 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 But um, at the SEMA thing, I saw someone on someone's feed, someone's built a 356 replica, full carbon Kevlar body on a, what looks like a shortened Volkswagen pan, Beetle pan, and a mid-mounted Honda VTEC engine in the back. It was just, what is this thing? It was just. It looks like a 356A, but when you they come in close with just a matte paint, they come in closer. It's all carbon looking and Kevlar looking. And then back window, look straight into it. There's that Honda VTEC motor sitting in the back. And not backpack, I'm talking center in the back seat. Wow. That's nice. Yeah. Wow is the right word for it. It was just amazing. You know, that someone's this look, this would have been a lot of energy. <clears throat> yeah, because many uh many uh 
three, five, six replicas made from like a, a VW Beetle yeah, sure, pan, man. right? That's yeah, been cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting an engine like that in there, I, I, I always think, you know, it's got to be something that works. And when you make something so modern, powerful, you just think, have you just taken that personality out of that car? I don't know. Well, I think, I don't look, even, I don't even, there's no footage of it running or moving under its own power. I'm not to suggest it isn't, but it could have just been a attention seeker that was rolled on and rolled off. So there's no shortage of SEMA car display cars that don't work. Big news. Did, did it have the horrible flares that they put on those those no, um, no, no, 356 replicas? No, it was a normal shaped body because yeah, there's nothing worse than a wide bodied 356, is it? Oh, terrible. Ugh, they look horrible. If there's a car, you shouldn't RWB, right? It's a 356. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, did you ever see the the uh what was it, the boxster someone made look like a 356? Speed oh yes, yeah. So uh, the, the, there's there's a few of those. There's 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 actually a um there's a car that's been for sale in Australia for years now. People have been trying to sell. It was a it was a they sold it as a, a as a as a Porsche three fifty six, but it was actually a Mitsubishi FTO, and oh, it was done. Right. I forgot about it's, that. Car. It's hideous. It's done so horribly everywhere. I it is the high school kids did it. Oh, but they've been selling it, and they—they they, I don't think they've been listed as a, as a as a you know in the, in the listing. You look you look up Porsche three fifty six for sale, and it's like this is like eighteen thousand dollars bargain. And then you then you click on it, you're like, oh no, oh no, it's not. No, right. <laughs> the, the, the sad thing is, you go back four years later on car sales, yeah, you know, just an eighteen thousand dollars three fifty six. I'm gonna have a look at that again, and it's still the same car, the same it's one. Same. <laughs> Mark, that's your next track car. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't think so. The um, the I'll talk about just talk about wide body. We had a couple of RWBs get built here in WA on the weekend by the um, Akira Nakai. Uh, Nakai. Yeah, so it was uh, it was interesting to see this thing up close because you know, it's a very polarizing product RWB when it comes to nine eleven. Some people either you know love it, love what he does, or they think, oh, what are they doing that to a perfectly good air-cooled car for or whatever. But I know both cars here in WA that are done to, and they were both old race cars that were wouldn't have had an original panel on them. They were caged up anyway, and they were um, G-body cars that were backdated. So it's, they're not perfect examples of cars that were de- destroyed, for want of a better term, to become an RWB, right? I didn't really give... Um, Nakasan, the guy that builds them, the credit that he deserves. Whenever I've seen footage of him, it's just him sort of. It's a two. It's a thirty-second clip on social media, or it's a two-minute video of some of him hacking in willy-nilly into a fender. Right? You know, these are the sort of images you always <laughs> yeah. see of it. But the time and energy and attention to detail, and it's all. He doesn't use lasers to align stuff. He does it all by, you know, he gets the cars extremely level to start with and then uses his own, um, you know, how he sees it should be, so to speak, and line everything up visually. It's I'd have to say he's more of a craftsman than I gave him credit for. You know, after seeing him go through this process for a couple of hours, I only stayed for a couple of hours to watch what was happening and, the detail and the energy it's gone in and how much thought's gone into the development of what an RWB is today compared to what it was 
five years ago, for example, you know, with arch liners and stuff that are all correct now. And it's not just really big, deep dish wheels. There's full suspension changes getting made. And there's a number of things. Because I've actually driven an RWB car for a weekend before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the thing tram-lined like buggery because the, the the way the suspension was just still skinny car suspension but big wide-body wheels. That's what know? I always imagined, that they just drive like, like crap. I mean, I have – I've always liked the look of the uh, like like a, a good RWB. Uh, it's not something I would build necessarily, but but I but I I, I like the the uh, um, that the the style of them, and particularly like in Japan where they've got the race series and they actually race them and stuff like that. What what always seems to be what seems to be prevalent is a lot of them seem to be sort of. Tiptronic or 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 or, or, <laughs> or, or, or show no go. Yeah, that's it. They just they just they're designed for for the car show and cars and coffee, but don't actually don't yeah, actually horrible to drive. And yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, if if they actually do the suspension and actually make them so that they perform to what they look, then then I've I've got no no issue with it. Yeah, yeah. The only criticism, and this is a personal thing. It's not a it's a it's a personal tasting. Not anything other than that is. I would love to see them using um, when they attach the guards, um, you know, uh, rev nuts and stuff like that to lock to get it all nice. So that if you want to repaint it, the future the thing to come off and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But anyway, as a like I said, to see the process and see the quality of work done, I think there's a lot of um, commentary out there. By people who haven't actually seen what how this is actually done would be the best way to describe my experience. And you know, I had a I wouldn't say a strong opinion because I love the look of them too. I love it, like especially you know seeing all those nine three four nine three four point fives nine three fives at Rensport. You know, those super wide body things. It's just so exciting to see a nine eleven being twice the width it's supposed to. You know, when they're almost square in their um, track and their and their wheelbase. You know, they just they crack me up. But um, well, yeah, seeing these driven on the road, you know, in this style, RW, I really like that look. You know, I'm I, I'm never been a fan of the sort of the the uh, is it nine three four sort of group four uh, mm-hmm. flares. They, they just they just always they've never looked right to me. That whereas the RWB actually like the design of them, the style of them looks. I think it <laughs> I think it looks good they, when they when they're done well. Uh, sometimes they're sort of over the top. The wings are enormous on them, yeah, and yeah. like they sort of they sort of go even further, which which sort of you know. But um, each their own. I'm definitely uh, not one to talk. I, I I like building cars the way I like building them, and that's uh, yeah. And and I and I I do appreciate them, but uh, yeah, I think they need to have the uh, something to back up the the uh, the look. That's that's the big thing, I think. Yeah, dirty big flat fan. 800 horsepower twin turbo fire breathing yeah. um flat six in the back that you know and if you want to do that to one of those motors let's face it that's what 250 grand compared to you know getting 800 horsepower out of a honda motor which costs you about eleven thousand dollars look I, I would <laughs> i'll be fine with a twin turbo ls in the back or something oh, I don't mind. Like, that, 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 oh, there is there is that one on that. there is a youtuber who i've seen reels on or something or shorts on or something on youtube who's got a k35 or k3 style um you know crema body kit on a tube chassis with an ls twin turbo in the back of it oh a red thing it it looks the business and you know leaves black marks everywhere it goes and it it gets raced as a track car 
and um, but he also drives it on the road, which is looks incredibly uncomfortable and noisy. Yeah. But a race car for the road sounds good when you're a kid, and then when you actually start to, to if you ever drive one, you're like, uh yeah, this is not for me. No, race cars <laughs> for the road are great that other people own. Yeah, that's it. I'll look <laughs> yes. at it, and, and I don't yeah. have to sit in the the noisy rattle thing, rattly thing. Speaking of See, cars, I, I totally get the, I totally going. get the, you know, the clubs, the that sprung up probably about 10, 15 years ago, where you could pay a, an annual fee. And you got some amazing car for the weekend, and you could get oh, yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know, one a month or yeah. something like that. And then it was great because you you could try one, and, you know, an amazing car that you'd never own, but you'd be able to try it for the weekend, and you know, actually realize actually this is a bag of shit. I'd never drive <laughs> this around. Uh, <laughs> Aston Martin would never sell a car. There is really? that. If, yes. if everybody if everybody would drive one for a weekend, I don't reckon they'd ever sell a car before they bought them. Really? That's disappointing. Oh, I, I, I just I don't know. Like the, the V8 Vantage thought they're, they're like the bargain of the century at the oh, moment. Yeah. Like, I, well, oh, yeah. my God. Jeff, Jeff, I am looking at one right now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, going insane. Over here, you can get one for £19,000. Yeah, wow. That's, that's, they're not that cheap here, but like yeah. a manual V8, like they still, they look yeah. amazing. Like oh, I, I thought they, they look like a bargain. Hey, Ajmal, I dare you to find out why they're 19,000 pounds. <laughs> I, I know that's the thing is. The thing is, if, if you really know what you're doing, which I don't, um, <laughs> if you know, they're, because they're made of Volvo and Ford parts back then, so, you know, if the power steering pump goes and you go to Aston Martin, they go, it's, it's 2,000 pounds, but you go and look at the part number up, it's from a Ford Mondeo for 200 quid. And, you know, yeah. you can you can really do it on a budget. It's just... Oh. If something goes, and the thing is, there's a there's an Aston Martin dealership in the next village from me. So on a Saturday night, when you when you or Friday night, you go to the pub. All the technicians are in there, and I remember chatting to one of them saying, oh, "I'm going to buy his V8 uh, Vantage," and he went, "Every time something goes wrong, five grand." And I was thinking, <laughs> but that's but that's at your that's to take it there. I, I wouldn't take it there. I'd find somebody else. Oh yeah, I'd... Uh, I, I, so point... I just. They they look they look beautiful and they and they and and here they're down to sort of at about seventy thousand, which is still for if you compare to what else you can get for that money. It's, it's a lot of car. Uh, it's a lot of car, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But the point I'm making about Aston, right? I agree. Love the look of them. And you know the current generation vantage? I really like I really like the look of the current generation vantage. However, I just don't know when you're on the buys. Replaces their Aston with another one. Hmm. Is my observation of Aston ownership, and I was in a dealership the other day because Aston, Ferrari, Rolls Royce, and Lambo—it's one dealer here in in Perth. And so you start at one and you walk all the way through, obviously, to little different stuff. And the Astons are the prettiest by a long shot. So, yeah, the modern superleggeras and stuff like that just look incredible. They look like you know if if they delivered on um, the experience. 30% of what they look like, they'd be the best car on the road, right? But the cost of them is just mind-numbing. Like there aren't many cars that make Ferraris look cheap, right? A, a modern Ferrari. <laughs> so it's just incredible how expensive they are. And the depreciation, that's just like, that must just be eye-watering. We are, we're talking about how cheap they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking at new ones. I'm, I'm looking at but, old no, ones. But, but I'm, yeah, but the point I'm making is 
I don't know if that depreciation curve flattens out. You know, I think it's uh, if you're buying a nineteen thousand pound one, I reckon next year it's worth ten. Is my point? Well, well, I, I, when I bought my nine nine six, I bought my nine nine six four and a half years ago, nearly nearly five years ago, and I was considering buying a, a Vantage, and it would have been twenty five thousand pounds. And I thought, there's no way they're going to get any cheaper. And sure lo enough. and behold, they're now, they're now nineteen thousand pounds. <laughs> I think you'll probably find that they won't get much cheaper in the UK. It'll just be either if it's still running, it's still worth eighteen thousand pounds. But if or it's not running, it goes it's not wrong. Anything. It's scrapped. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right there, Jeff. I think you're right. <laughs> Talking about road going cars, I've got to look for a new daily. And I want to talk to you guys about my requirements and what your suggestions are. All right. It's got to be a five-seater, right, firstly. I, okay. It could be a seven-seater, but I'd rather not have a seven-seater because I'd rather more space in the back if it's a, you know, a um, SUV of some sort, if it is an SUV of some sort. Um, I want it to be extremely comfortable. It's got to have adaptive cruise control, right? That's a that's a deal-breaker for me. Um. And it's got to be able to take – got to be able to tow a trailer with it that could tow a car. So I need something that's going to have some power. I'm not fixing the idea of having an SUV because that's the easy option, you know, and it's a pretty crowded marketplace, but it's likely going to end up being an SUV just for the the value um, proposition. So because it's got to have adaptive cruise control, it's going to be something from about 2018 onwards for most brands, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I was going to say I already know what you need. Oh, yeah, what's that? You either need an Aston Martin Rapide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or a Maserati. Yes. Or a <laughs> Ferrari engine. Towing a car trailer, I like it. <laughs> a, a, a you know, you're going to need the trailer to put the Rapide on. <laughs> yeah, how's it going to tow itself? Yeah. <laughs> the great conundrum. <laughs> So what do, what do you got? You what, let's, see, let's hear some ideas. I've got the I've got the easy option, which is a McCann or a KN, right? And, but if I, I get if I get either, it's going to have to be a GDS because if it's a McCann to tow a car trailer, I'm going to need the uh, bigger motor, right? I love my McCann, mm-hmm. and we've got a early 2015, I think it is. Like, uh, and it's I find it's the it's the great boring car to do all the boring things that if you ever find yourself on a fun road, it's it, it can be a lot of fun. On the other side of it, I'm, I have got it to tow and and I do use it to tow my car trailer, um, but I've heard that PDK is not as good to tow with. A KN is better with a Tiptronic apparently. Yep, okay. With towing. Good to know. Um, <clears throat> one, one thing I will, as much as I love the McCann, um, it's quite stiff, and we had a uh, before that for years. I had, I mean, it's got, it's it's old now, but uh, it was a two thousand and two thousand and five, two thousand and six, something like that. Mercedes ML five hundred. Um, so similar size to the Macan, but with the five liter V eight in it, and it was it towed way better than the Macan. Like it, it had a much higher towing capacity. Yep. Like the McCann's twenty two hundred kilos. I think the the um, ML was three and a half ton. Yep. Um, 
and much more comfortable on the road. Like the Macan's very stiffly sprung, so it's it, it handles like amazingly. But if you're yep. never going to drive it spiritedly, and as much as I love pushes, it's probably you know n- not necessarily the car unless it just has to be a Porsche. Like you know, um, yeah. I often find myself on the on the fun roads around here. Uh, in the Macan and like on my favorite twisty road compared to, I reckon I'd probably be almost as quick in the Macan as I would be in my 996 that I had. Like it was, it, yep, okay. it handles that well. And the PDK is amazing. You, know, you put it in sport plus and you don't need to like, if I change gears, I'm only going to do a worse job than it does. Yeah. Like, yep. Um, but yeah, but if if you don't yeah, want so it to be a sports car, it's it's a tough thing, you know, because you spend so much time in your daily, right? Yes, you do want a little bit of fizz, but you also need the practicality, and that balance is a pretty hard. I've caught one right here, right yeah, here, Mark. Yeah, good one. Repeat. <laughs> 2000, 2004 Porsche Cayenne, four and a half liter, two thousand four hundred and ninety pounds. Wow. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has it got a wood, got, got wood interior as well? Hang on, let me have a look. Let me have a look. Because <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell you what was on the list was a Panamera as a potential car, right? Mm-hmm. But I cannot find one that's not Grandpa spec. Well, with the, the little wheels and the and the, the, and, the, wood, the and the timber. Yeah, 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 everywhere and the beige, yeah. um, soft, crumpled uh, leather seats yeah. and everything in it, right? It's yeah, every one of them I've seen that's come up has been in that specification. It's terrible. I think but you should get one. It's look, it's it's and look, it's so color specific. That car, some you look at and go, That is the worst looking Porsche ever designed, and others you go, That's borderline acceptable. That's a the problem. Can. No, the Panamera, oh, Panamera, yeah, yeah, this and. You know, the, the ones that are borderline acceptable I've seen are so expensive that, that I, it's just not a great value proposition. You know, I mean, so, what about an RS6? Look, RS6, I had a look at them. My, my biggest concern with RS6 is cost of repair compared to the Porsche. Yeah, but you know Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, just around the, the corner. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> only on the other side of the country. Hey, hey, Jeff, it's Mark. Can I pop around for a beer and you can have a look at this for me? <laughs> in, the, in the UK, the other side of the country is 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 not quite as far as it is in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be just as easy for me to pop in and see your brother in uh, up on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, but yeah, look, I, I've seen a nice KN GDS. That's you know a used one that's uh, was optioned with adaptive cruise control. It's for sale at the Porsche Center here in WA, but it's got the Porsche Center Premium, you know. But that also means it comes with extended factory warranty. They they renew the warranty, so that in itself does have some appeal with a car that you know cost of repair can be prohibitive. Yeah, that's the only um, that's that's the only SUV I've ever driven. I'm a Cam GTS. No, a KN GTS. This is. Oh, a KN GTS. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd I'd heard what you mentioned between the PDK and Tiptronic with regards to towing too, Jeff. The yeah. um, that that's that's the case. The other considerations are Range Rover Sport. 
because they they take a massive depreciation hit in the first tw- uh, twenty four months. Yeah, there's a reason yeah. for that. Yeah, I'm sure. No, but they're not getting stolen here like they do over there, Kashmir. Yeah, but no, you can, no, you no, can that, get them insured the, here. That's the defenders that are being stolen. Um, Is it defenders? The uh, yeah, the Range Rover. They they just aren't they just unreliable? No, I, I have like, heard. I have heard that they they the Range Rovers are getting stolen like crazy in the UK as well. In the centre of London, you can't insure a Range Rover. Yeah, you can't insure them at all. It's on the news over here as well. Yeah, yeah. Like people, the, have, the, people have waited years for the delivery of the new one. Like they've had them on order for like two years and two and a half years, and they take delivery of them, but they can't pick them up because your insurance company won't insure them. Yep. Yeah. That that's pretty much it. Because uh, even around where I live, uh, not not so much Range Rovers, but Defenders, Defenders. Mm get stripped on the driveway. They don't even take the car. Really? You come, you come out the next day and all the doors and panels and everything's gone. Well, that's, that's nuts. I'd look, I'd love a yep. Defender 110, you know, the current generation. I'd love one of those things, but my goodness, they're so expensive here. Like So well, over here too. It's, it's, it's just nuts. The- and it's well, I always think, what's the point of the discovery? Because the discovery was always the the one in between the Range Rover, yeah, but and it's the got, Defender, that's, right? Yeah, but that's like that's the little motor and all that sort of thing. The discovery, like the discovery, doesn't have a home anymore in the range. Well, not now. It doesn't, it doesn't. with no. with the new Defender, it doesn't. No, mm. I th- and I'd be surprised if yeah. it continues. Like, I, like how many mm. people are actually ordering it? Yeah, but it's a new one, a long time. Yeah, but anyway, like to give you an idea, Ashmal, a Range Rover Sport brand new. Is nearly double the price of a Defender here in Australia, but twenty-four wow. months old, they're about fifteen um, percent cheaper than the Defender. Why do you get an Evoke convertible? <laughs> an Evoke convertible? Yeah, convertible. I saw one yesterday. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> no, no. I'll go one step further. I'll go worse. I'll take your Evoke convertible. And take you Nissan Murano convertible. Yes, that did, has got to be the worst car that's ever. Did been. Did we get them in Australia though? I know the America America got them. I I don't know. I I saw one when we we're in the states. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going. Oh my god. Who who thought this was an idea to go to production? <laughs> I, I believe it wasn't it the um the CEO's wife wanted one, so he just he got it made. The CEO of Nissan. I, I have no <laughs> idea, but oh my goodness! Like I thought a vote convertible was bad until I saw the Murano. That was, yeah. That's like last time I saw the vote convertible. I thought someone had actually chopped the roof off and just put a hood on it themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not 1984. People don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, the what else? What else have I got here on my list to talk about today? The um, oh, let's talk about the Alferrari in general. How how is that coming along, and what's the timeline looking like, Jeff? Do you have a hard date that you want to be finished by? To get it to some event or anything like that, or there is there is no hard date, but uh, basically now I'm just I'm 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 at the pointy end of it. Really, uh, I've still got some coolant leaks that I've got to sort out and things like that. But basically now I need to start. It's 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 running and driving. It's time to uh, I've still got to get off my backside and book it in to get um, uh, get it tuned and and get the engineering done so I can register it. There's interior bits and all the switches and stuff I still need to connect up, but that's sort of not necessary for, for registration, you know, like, but, uh, you know, getting the aircon working properly and 
all these bits and pieces, there's um, yeah, there's there's really not a lot left. So um, yeah, it won't be long until I start my next project, which I'm still am going to announce. Well, when 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 I'm when I'm ready, when I, when I've run out of things on the on the alpha. Okay, we want a date. When's the thing getting registered, and when is it going to be finished, so to speak? Yep. Look, I'd like to get it done this year, but it depends on how long some of these things take because I know the dyno takes a while to book in and the um, um, and and I've got to book in with the engineer as well. So uh, but hopefully by the end of the year it's it's done, which is not far now. No, it's, only, it's not far away. It's only, only, um, only a couple months away. Less. Uh, Ajmal, like me, are you surprised Jeff hasn't just built his own dyno? <laughs> I was gonna say I'm surprised he hasn't got one. And also uh why he doesn't have one in a truck or something. You know, one of those portable ones. Yeah. You just take <laughs> yeah. around with it. <laughs> Trust me, I'd like I'd like one. It would be it would be handy. I have the done renting the- out, you'd be able to pay for itself in no time. No, I, I I don't I don't need to I don't need to start a business doing this stuff. Like so many people want me to build cars for them, want to do. I don't want to do other people's stuff. I do it for me because it's fun. I don't want to ruin oh, yes. the hobby. As soon as, soon as you need to do it for money, it's no longer uh, entertainment, is yep. it? It's, yeah, uh, it's yeah, an obligation. It's stress and yeah, I, I don't I don't need that. It it is it is a hobby that um, thankfully. I'm never meant to be a YouTuber. I just that just sort of happened. I just sort of you know got my old 911 and and uh, thought I would um, it would be good to instead of just having a build thread on a forum, I do some videos to go along with it. And then suddenly people started watching it, and that's sort of how it sort of grew. I just like building this stuff for me, and uh, the YouTube stuff is a good way to share it. Good one. Now, um. With regards to the, uh, you didn't put any effort into talking me out of doing this uh, boxer. <laughs> right? So who, I would, clearly I would you want me to suffer the, the pain you've been through, right? I would probably get the kit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I look. I'm the IKEA option is much more suited to my skill set. Yeah, look, look, the the LS can make more more power, and uh, there's way more development out there for that engine. So it just that makes it. I'm not planning easier. on being pretty, Jeff. I'm going. I'm if I if I get one that pops, I'm just going down to the wrecker and getting another one. I'm not. Uh, yeah. This is. I'm not planning on making a super engine or anything like that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll off the shelf stuff is what I'm thinking at the moment. They're not as they're not that cheap anymore because everybody's looking for them. So so they've they've gone up. I did look a little while ago. I think the often the easiest way to get them is to just buy, buy an a old car. Commodore. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I thought as well. And yeah, then, and then get paid seventy five dollars by someone to come and sort pick up the wreck of the uh, body. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's it. Is that, and is that the nine eight six you're going to go for, Mark? Oh yeah. Look, I, I know of one that's right now. Um, been in a driveway now for what four weeks with a puddle of fluid under it that he'll never move again because he's going through that thing that you nearly went through with your 996 once the rust was discovered. This is one of those ones that's oh. going to get, yeah. You know, so I reckon if I sit on it for another six months or so, I reckon I'll get the thing for next to nothing because someone's going to tell him either his landlord or his wife to say, just get this thing out of your way. Mm. Yep. I'd say what's a real shame is. Just through timing, 
I blew up the engine on my 914 and it ended up getting shelved for a few years. And then I sold that to a wrecker, right? The 914 rolling shell oh, wow. with the uh, gearbox. If I had that now, that would be a good project car to drop an LS in because a lot of people oh, yeah. put LSs into uh, 914s in the States. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a real, it is a thing, you know, over there. There is actually, there's actually a guy who's contacted me a few times who's got a Ferrari 360 engine he's putting into the 914. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, 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 he's already got, I think he has got, he's, he's got a few YouTube videos on it. It's only like a very small channel, yeah, but, okay. um, but he's actually physically got the engine in the engine bay with the Ferrari, like plenum sticking is that out, right? the, <laughs> out, out the back. So, so it's, it's, yeah. Could be yeah, I would never, never, I would never think to do, I can understand like a Ferrari engine going in a Fiat, uh, and, but, or or an alpha or you know you know the kind of thing right yeah. and then nine one four which everyone thought was a VW yep um and and you know Porsche took it on and put a Porsche badge on it I, I would never think to put those two things together ever uh, I think well, it's just horsepower per kilo is the the equation on that one you know well the thing that got me to looking at the Ferrari engine in the first place is a mate in Queensland who's got a LS in the back of a nine eleven. Um, and he's, he was talking about, you know, he's like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll swap it out and put a Ferrari engine in because the Ferrari engines are so cheap. And I'm like, sure, they're cheap. They're, and, and I had a look and I'm like, oh, actually they're, I mean, I wouldn't call it cheaper than a 911 motor though. I, but they're a hell of a lot cheaper than a 911 engine. And uh, I mean, wow. on, on the scheme of things, they're, they're not hideously expensive. Oh, wow. Shocked. Yeah, <laughs> the Ferrari engine cost a fraction of what my 911 engine cost to build, and my and and I and I built that 911 engine myself with paid zero labor and only and and got a bunch of free parts, and I'm still less than half into the Ferrari engine as what I am in the 911 engine. <laughs> so insane. It no, is no, insane. My 911 engines are insanely expensive. Well, look, you you, Ajmal, following this podcast. Google 993 Vario Ram engines for me for sale. And uh, yeah, good luck. if you want to choke, right, it is just incredible how expensive they are. If that is a build that you should do, Jeff, is a 993 convertible, turn it into a 964 style Targa. Remember with Mark, we talked about Oh, this. yeah, that's the worst that's, looking car ever. It's not the worst looking car. Why would you build something that looks like the factory didn't want to do? Because they made a mistake. I I will do a. I think the next Porsche I do at some stage, I've got to do a three fifty six. I've, I've, yeah. I think that would be a great project. I tell you what, I reckon that the transaxle cars are going to be the next big thing. I still think they're undervalued, underappreciated, and you know, underpowered. Ultimately, I think the there's some there's going to be some uh, interesting stuff in the next ten years that are going to happen with transaxle cars. I think we're going to see um, Can Am style trumpets popping out of a nine two eight bonnet in some sort of SEMA build or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. There's going to be something bizarre that is going to happen with transaxle cars. I reckon. Well, there's that. Uh, is it Nardom who started doing? They've they've made one, haven't they? It's kind of the singer of the nine two eight. Oh one. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I have yeah. seen that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm talking about human price stuff, not people that own private jets, cars. 
I've always liked nine four fours. I've always thought they'd look look great. Yeah, I've I've never owned or driven one, but uh, but I've always but I've always appreciated them. I always thought they look look looked fantastic. Never been a huge fan of the nine two eight, and I and I don't like nine two fours. They just they just don't work. The nine four four to me that that's that's the car. Yeah, yeah, good one. Yep, I did I did a video on a nine four four turbo SE, which is a UK only or UK and Japan only car that at the time when it came out put out more power than the 930 the same year. Okay. Right. So it's a it's a really low volume car too. There's a guy here in Perth that was selling one. And in hindsight, I probably should have bought it. But when I did the video when I was doing the walk around and looking at the underside, I could see it was definitely a UK car because it looked like what Asmol just cut out of <laughs> like his Asmol's car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What about, what about a 968? Yeah, yeah, looks good. yeah look, the, the, that's the most expensive option, but also I think the best looking option out of the lot. Like, you know, yeah. the 968 CS is an amazing car to drive. Like, it's just 100 horsepower under. And I still, 944, yeah, I still just, it's got that 80s cool, like like that. It does. The, the, the angular mm-hmm. pop-up headlights. I, I, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. yeah good one. I reckon we call it a that, boys. Jeff, right. great to catch up. Great to have yep. you on again, and um, really appreciate your time. I know it's uh, it was early in the morning there for you to um, jump on, just so we could all make our time zones work. The Ajmal, we want updates on the um, we want the nine nine six back on the road by our next podcast, please, so we can talk about how much better it performs, especially because you're going to replace the shocks and the uh, suspension components. Yep. Before you do, I'm going to so. buy the shocks. Yeah. Yep. I, I actually is starting to suspect, though, that you, your suspension is just going to the next point of failure as you're replacing parts. Well, that's what <laughs> happened because the rear lower arms, I did those, and then it was just horrific. And I only did it because they creaked. And, you know, it drove kind of okay. It was fine. It just made such a noise when it heated up. And I just thought, yeah. oh, God, I need to get those changed. Said to Jack, change it. And then... Um, got that back and it was just horrific it was awful the front was all over the place so now it's in the garage and you could just when i looked underneath i thought oh god the front lower arms are awful so if i change those and the rear shocks one of the front shocks is new <laughs> it's terrible Listen, i'll tell you what get get all your bushings done let's call kw let's get them to um sponsor an episode we'll get that coil overs put right through the 996 it'll be fine uh no no not coilovers that's gonna ruin it not with the roads around I'll, here I'll, hey there are coilovers that can be set up for comfort they don't have to be racetrack I tell you what the roads around here I'm gonna to have to go safari <laughs> <laughs> classic all right then but let's talk about it more next episode Jeff thank you very much yes listeners please Thanks, follow Jeff on uh, Instagram and his YouTube channel if you haven't already it's an amazing experience to uh watch him do what he does. Ajmal's flat cap driver. I'm Mark and Cars. Thanks, everyone.